0: Hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be with you again today, right now. I hope that wherever you are in the world that you're doing well and I'm sending you all of my prayers and well wishes to you and your family. We have got an absolutely amazing episode of the show for you today. We have Dr. Kyra Bobinet on and we are talking about brain science for goal setting and living a purposeful life. We go into Kaira's spiritual awakening, learning mindset versus performative mindset, why entrepreneurs are almost immune to naysayers, the main mantra for getting back up, the four things that happen when you set a goal, the power of adjusting and playing with your goals, how to move about life more peacefully, the root of suffering, elder versus older, the seven channels of emotion, the three three negative and the three positive, the importance of seeking Kyra's vision quest and so much more. This is an absolutely exceptional episode. I know that you're going to enjoy it. If you do, please share it far and wide. Consider leaving a review on iTunes and you can also leave uh, ratings in Spotify. If you want to work with me personally, just reach out matt at zenathlete.com. I am open now to coaching and mastermind and working with anyone who wants to level up in all areas of your life. If you're struggling with lack of direction, limiting beliefs, or you just really want to have a clear, powerful vision, uh, moving forward, hit me up. I'm happy to help with all things that we talk about on the show. I'd advise you guys to join the email list because there's going to be some exciting news coming up, and I'm going to be staying in touch there. So go to mattbelair.com and you can become a member for free, or buy donation, or simply sign up for the email list to stay in touch. But it looks like we'll be putting a retreat together in Peru, and uh, I'm very excited about what's going to happen there. There's going to be. work with some native american or indigenous elders over there there's going to be some ceremonies it's going to be a truly special experience so if you're interested in that and what's going to be coming down the pipe make sure you stay in touch and uh that's it just remember the best way to support the show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today and uh let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing taking a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, faith, courage, power, and get ready to enjoy this amazing show with Doctor Kyra Bobinet. Hello, and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. If you want to support this show, please go over to mattbelair.com and consider becoming a member. But most importantly. Do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is an MD and CEO and founder of Fresh Try, the brain science behind building healthy habits, a neuroscience-based digital health company. She is also the author of Well-Designed Life, 10 Lessons in Brain Science and Design Thinking for a Mindful, Healthy, and Purposeful Life. Welcome to the show, Kyra Bobinet.
1: Thank you. Such a delight to be here.
0: I'm so excited to do this because when I got into diving into your work, you've just done so much, like you're accredited up the wazoo and all the kind of like uh, analytical science-based right brain, but you're also uh, kind of have this like a little bit of a, mystical or spiritual or however you want to frame that side of you. So you're very open-minded as well. So I'd love to dive into this and just uh, get your background. If so, if the um, audience isn't familiar with your work yet, do you want to give them a little bit about you know your life, who you are, and how you got to doing the work you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was a, or I am, a biracial person. So I'm Native American and white, and I grew up in Oklahoma. And then I uh, went to medical school at some point, and about my halfway through my first year, I had a spiritual awakening. So you talked about the spiritual side. It kind of came to me fairly early in my life. Um, since then, I've been walking kind of a spiritual path, but also very much rooted in science and medicine of all kinds. And yeah, that's kind of the the synopsis of where I am today.
0: Well, that was very short. I was expecting, I was expecting so much more. Well, because when I went through your work, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you have an MD, you're doing this uh, Fresh Try thing. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of other projects. So you, you want to speak a little bit about some of yeah. those projects and how that evolved into the work you're doing today into the, yeah. the current Fresh Try um, application. And it's an app or website and Whole mm-hmm. experience to help people integrate healthy habits, which is so important. We're going to touch on that, but you yeah. know the the New Year's resolution is all about you know, how do I begin to do these you know healthy habits? How do they stick? So we'll we'll touch on yeah. that as well.
1: Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So when I had my experience in medical school, I was uh, immediately aware that I had a different calling, but I had to kind of wait for it. And this happens a lot in spiritual experiences that people have, where they want they really want to know, like what am I what am I supposed to do right now? And then we have to wait because the great mystery is the great mystery. And we have to wait for the great mystery to unfold. And what happened was that um, I started to volunteer in juvenile hall. And these were with, you know, serious chronic violent offender youth. And what I realized is that they're just like any other kid, except that they've done these heinous, violent acts and uh, horrible acts. And that was maybe one less than 1% of their life. But then, you know, it dominates who they are in our society. And so I started a program with a couple other classmates of mine to help with reentry coming from prison and learned a lot about behavior change. I would say that the, the greatest degree program that I had was the one without the degree, without the letters, uh, which was the prison work. And so I did that for about 10 years. I got super interested in public health and how to really affect change at scale, uh, because as an individual doctor, you know, you see individual patients. But I felt like I was just being a prescriber. There was one patient that I had who came in and this was at the Native American Health Clinic in Oakland, California. And he came in with like a classic gouty toe. And it turned out that, you know, I said, well, what happened? You know, I'm writing the prescription, I'm literally writing it. And he said, well, you know, three days ago I did meth and I haven't been asleep since. So meth, dehydration, gout, prescription. And I was like, I'm on the I'm on the wrong end of this animal, you know. Like, I want to be where the mind is. I want to be under understand what's driving this and how to prevent that, you know. And so I started this quest around public health. You know, how can I make the biggest impact? One thing led to the other. I was an executive at a healthcare company, very large healthcare company, designing like large scale interventions. And then I was a, at a lab in in the Stanford Medical School. And looking at like, you know, behavioral psychology, neuroscience, those kinds of things, drivers of our behavior, and then started Fresh Try. And we work with uh, Walmart, which is the largest, you know, one of the largest companies in the world, uh, helping their employees and their families be healthier with this software. And it's all based on the brain science and kind of the, the street science, if you will, of how we humans live and what changes us and what doesn't.
0: Okay, great. I love all that. Um, So (laughs) there's so many ways that I want to go with this. Let's just start with something practical. So in your work and experience, what are some of the important healthy habits that an individual should have kids should have? Um, And then some basic things that people should know about building a better habit. Some people say it's 21 days, and they have all these different things. Some say, write it down and tell a friend. And there's all these different techniques. So from what you've learned, I'd love for you to deduce, like, what are the healthiest habits people can have to have Positive mental health to have you know mm-hmm. a strong mindset to feel mm-hmm. good to feel connected, um, and then and then how do we integrate those?
1: Yeah, so I find that it's not the what you pick to try that matters; it's if you can get yourself to do it, and when not if but when it no longer serves you, how you perceive of that. Because if you perceive of that as a failure, then you're in trouble with your brain. You know, so the most important thing is to find what you think you can get yourself to do and then just like it's like surfing like ride that board ride that wave as long as you possibly can and when you fall off say we that was fun you know and then <laughs> then paddle back out like don't it's like oh that's over you know i got to i got to quit surfing forever you know so it very much is a practice and it's very much a iterative process and this is something that i've learned from humans you know studying human behavior and seeing it over and over again at scale there are these kind of people who have figured this out, and so that's really has changed my paradigm because I grew up in the performative, you know, smart goals world, and you know, New Year's resolutions. And you know, as a doctor, they don't train you in anything in terms of behavior change. And as a public health physician, everything is just super stale and dry and antiquated, and it doesn't work anyway. You know, so <laughs> I feel like we're kind of on this cutting edge now of what really actually fits for our human brains, and also what fits for us as individuals.
0: Well, I like how you framed it there and knowing that it's okay to kind of like fall off the horse, like a different perspective and not to beat yourself up, you know, it's like, understand that it might take a a few tries. Even some people have dealt with addictions and maybe your work kind of touches on that. So Mm -hmm. when someone's trying to create some healthy habits, what are some things that they should keep in mind? Do you have like tools or how does the app work with that? Or what's some of the, uh, the science around it? I'm reminded to, of Dr. Joe, who you know, sometimes I I like the science of it, but I'm more of like a doer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm, you you tell me the mm -hmm. science after, like, I'll just go deadlift. If that's going to make me stronger, I could care less about what's going on in the body. However, as you know, part of my work, I, I research it anyway. And when I do, it helps give me more understanding and it makes it work better. And Dr. Joe talked about this, um, study they did where they, they went to, um, Uh, house, not house cleaners, but um, people who clean the hotel rooms. I don't know Mm -hmm, why I can't mm -hmm. think about what their names are, but those people, yeah, the cleaning staff and just told them, Hey, this is how much you're working out. You've got this many steps, this and this. And what they found was there is a very noticeable increase in their weight loss and their muscle gain and all these different things by understanding how it works and why it works. And I'm curious if you have something like that for mindset, for goals, for helping people say, Hey, if you follow this track, you're going to see success.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different mindsets, but largely speaking, the, the mindset is either a learning mindset in that category, or it is a performative mindset. And so I think what we're most familiar with right now in the current industry is performance, measuring everything, counting everything, you know, setting a goal and tracking against that goal, all that kind of stuff. Turns out that there's a very significant problem with the brain with that approach there is an area of the brain that nobody else knows about or that very few people know about called the habenula, H-A-B-E-N-U-L-A. And that area of the brain is AKA the anti-reward pathway. It's the brake pedal in the car. And just like if you're driving a real car, if you got the brake on and then you punch the gas, you're not going anywhere you know? And so for years and years and years, myself, my colleagues, all of us thought it was dopamine. We thought, you know, it's about reward. It's about motivation. It's about just do it. It's about all these things like, you know, pedal to the metal on the gas pedal. And we didn't realize the darn brake was on, you know? And so I think that the most valuable thing, you know, with, you know, you don't need to know brain science, but you need to understand when the brake is on. And because the halbenula activates the brake whenever you think you failed, even subconsciously, you know and that's where burnout happens that's where apathy happens that's where stuckness happens and um you know if you look at big data large scale data of people who uh will take weight loss for example people who keep the weight off long term the one thing that they share in common is that they have the shortest periods of relapse like where they don't get back on the horse you know and that's the, it's very simple that's the only thing that's different about them and normal people and that means that they're finding a way to get around their habenula because their habenula once it activates under failure, then it kills your motivation to keep trying. And then you have something I call stop trying disease, which is you just, you don't know why you don't feel like doing it. You just don't feel like doing it anymore. And then guess what we do? We blame ourselves. We indict ourselves being a failure. We're ashamed. We, we feel, you know, horrible, uh, self-loathing comes in all that kind of stuff. So I think that is the number one obstacle in people's way because they don't know that about their brains.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Well, it reminds me of like the idea when people go into, let's say, entrepreneurship. It seems like in your life you've you've walked this path a little bit where you were going into the traditional sciences route. You wanted to help people, and then you had to make these transitions. So you mm-hmm. have an idea of where your life is gonna go, but as you were getting feedback from your experiences in your life with also this um, optimism and vision for your future, you were able to take those skills and adapt where I feel like a lot of people can't do that or are not willing to or are too afraid. Like if I am working this job and I, but I really want to do this, mm-hmm. um, like actually there's a crazy story. Like my wife's friend, her, her dad was a school teacher and he wanted to be a comedian and uh, I don't know if I shared this pocket on the pod. It's such a crazy story now, cause I'm a dad and uh, but you'll get, if you're a dad, you'll know when I complete the story, but <laughs> he was a, is a teacher. He wanted to be a comedian. He goes into being a comedian. He does some shows and quits being a teacher. He is the uh voice of Paw patrol, mm, you know? So mm, pop patrol mm. is just massive. So like, <laughs> I could just imagine like a yeah. rational person being like, why are you quitting your job to go do this? Right. Mm-hmm. And then now he's like, I don't know, like just absolutely crushing it because paw Patrol is so friggin massive. Uh, mm-hmm. he's Mayor Humdinger. And again, it's like a bit now it's a billion dollar company. So how mm-hmm. would you like it's it's this mix, I think of like knowing who you are, following, but realizing it's also okay to fail.
1: Mm-hmm. right it's,
0: it's okay to like try the whether it's your habits, whether it's your business, whether you're trying new things, it's totally okay to fail. So with knowing this where uh, what we what do you even call this thing this habenula, what do we do? How do we what's the best thing that we do if we know that sucker exists? Yeah, and, and do we at first identify the positive habits we want to change or the negative habits we're doing we want to stop and then start writing down the positive ones we want to do and then have a, a, a process for this habenula that's going to come up? Like, how do we make sure that that thing doesn't screw us up?
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely don't poke the bear is the main <laughs> philosophy. Um, and then if you happen to poke the bear, it looks a certain way. You know, it looks like you don't feel like doing it. It looks like, you know... Uh, very common language is nothing works for me you know been there done that you know i always i never you know, like those kinds of statements that i'm sure you find all the time with people that you know and the entrepreneur the entrepreneurial people they're kind of a special class right because they they tend to iterate their way through and never think that they failed there's like oh it's just over the next hill you know and so they're almost immune in this kind of irrational way to thinking that they failed anything and they They ignore it. You have to ignore in a crazy way all the naysayers along your path if you're really going to break out as an entrepreneur because there's more naysayers and more uh, impossibilities and more chance of failure, what, 90% 90 or more, uh, quote unquote, fail, right? And so just being able to relentlessly iterate, I find, to be the consistent thread to get around the habanula and also to, if you accidentally trigger it, to recover from it more more, uh, quickly.
0: So in like layman's terms, as I'm trying to figure this out, does that mean you just like never give up? Like you just don't, is it the longer when you were saying it before about weight loss is the longer periods of time of not trying again, like say you're going to the gym, right? Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. you've got your first week, you've done five days, but next week you miss one. And so Mm -hmm. that one person will go two, three, four, five, six, where someone who's going to overcome this is going to get there, just miss one day and get their buns back in the next day. Is that the key is like, don't let these gaps go bigger and bigger and bigger.
1: Yeah, because the gaps are wallowing. You're wallowing in failure. You're wallowing, wallowing in some story. You're wallowing in some sort of can'tness um, that you have. You know, your brain has come up with. You know, and usually it's some unresolved childhood thing that you haven't figured out how to uh, overcome. And then, you know, I think that the main mantra is get back up. Just get back up. Or Dory, keep on swimming. You know, for the parents out there, um, you know, just be able to shake it off. And then stand back up and do whatever you think you can get yourself to do.
0: I love that. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm going through David Goggins' uh, second book now. And if you look at entrepreneurs and people who I've interviewed on the show and are successful, that's one of the key traits. You just never give up. And when I'm helping people work on, let's say, their life purpose or life vision, I share an example where it's like, you have to want it so bad, it doesn't matter what the result is, you're never going to give up. Like, Mm -hmm, you know what I mean? mm -hmm. You're willing to fail a thousand times until you get Mm -hmm. to this goal because it's so meaningful to you, Mm -hmm, right? And mm -hmm. so the result, you know, isn't like, it's nice to have, but like, that's, it's going to take you a lot. The bigger the goal is going to take you longer to get. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I feel like it's so important to be aligned in that way. And when you touch on the spiritual world and the mindset world, have you noticed some common threads for people who, let's say, I don't know how we would phrase it, but they're whole, they're complete, they're happy, they're compassionate, they have their life together. You know, they're, they're very balanced. Do they have a certain set of characteristics or habits that you've noticed that they integrate to do these things?
1: Yeah, I think the thing hiding in plain sight that I've noticed is that people who get to that level are iterative, not performative you know, and what I mean by that is that they iterate and iterate and iterate on what they are trying to do. And it, whether that is to level up on something that they already know to do, to, to get to a very high level of performance, or whether that is to uh, unblock themselves. So iteration, you know, there's four basic things that happen. If you say, hey, I'm going I'm to set a goal, or I'm going to set a new year's resolution, or I'm going to set an intention, doesn't matter. There's four things that are going to happen. Number one is that you will forget about it completely and it'll be a failure to launch. The second category is it works for a little while, but it's just too costly or painful, or there's something unpleasant about it, you know? And so it only lasts for a little while. The third one is it's a long-term relationship, but some, at some point there's some disruption in your life. Like either you get injured or you get bored with it or those kinds of things. And then the final one is just like these people who meet their sweetheart at 16 and then they die as like 90 year olds together. You know, it's a lifelong thing. You just happen to luck out. Right. So I, I was curious about your friend's um, father, you said, who went, switched to being a comedian. You know, I wondered to myself, like, how much did he have to iterate and overcome kind of the, these failure demons, if you will, or this you can'tness um, coming at him? And then how did he ultimately iterate his way into such a great position for his career. Do yeah, you know, those, do, do you know that n- story?
0: No, I don't. I would I would love yeah. to hear it and uh, you know, yeah, it'd be so fascinating. Just now as Paw Patrol gets bigger, my daughter's an absolute nut for it. So, he's always wearing <laughs> like the sky costume. So, I I'm always thinking about it and telling the story because I think it's uh, so hilarious. You know, it, it's such a simple concept, you know, to just keep trying, get back on the horse, do it again, you know, learn Learn, and it's also learn and apply. I think there's this, I know this is Bruce Lee quote that says something along the lines is knowing is not enough. We must apply. Willing is not enough. We must do. Yeah. And there's so much to be said for action. Tony Robbins, all of his stuff is, you know, take massive action, take massive action. And even if you could take a little bit of action, but it's just moving you know, just Mm -hmm, taking mm -hmm. the action, um, for the weight loss thing is, is huge for people. And I feel like in spirituality and mindset, the body is such a great example, uh, because you can see it and you can feel it, but it does go into the spiritual world, where you can't really see or measure it. But like, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to lose weight, my cousin, you know, he was saying that, yeah, I go to the gym, you know, a few times and he struggles with weight a little bit. And, uh, I said, go to the gym every day. I was like, even if you just go there, And you walk for 20 minutes, just show up. It becomes a part of your life. I don't care what you do, just show up, go for five minutes, Um, make it a part of your life. Right. And then that's going to shift it because if you're only doing it once or twice, and now it makes more sense, those gaps in between are going to get bigger and bigger. And then you're like, oh, you know, I'm just going to forget about it. So there's so much to be said for consistency as well. I don't know who said this some people say it's seinfeld but he was saying like you'd write a joke a day rather than try to cram you mm-hmm. know 20 jokes on the weekend and again it just speaks to consistency so would consistent like what is your research showed anything around consistency what what if we want to apply this for i hate my life i want to change it i want to be mentally fit spiritually fit emotionally fit and live my life purpose so how do we take your knowledge and then give that to the audience <laughs>
1: yeah well i i want to i want to like start with just how flawed i am for a second because i'm not the tony robbins of the world i'm not this kind of like you know er, you know david goggins kind of like relentless person i'm actually quite easily frustrated intimidated and rebellious um as to anything that i try to put up for myself and so if i heard you tell me you know just go every day I would, I would, in earnest, my younger self would have, in earnest, tried that, and then I would have thought that I failed because I, you know, got this great advice from this person who I look up to, and then I feel like I failed them, you know, or I failed myself, and there must be something wrong with me because it's just so easy. That's the thing. I have uh, and a slight issue with with all of the like teeny tiny habits. My, my mentor is uh, BJ Fogg, who did Tiny Habits. He trained, um, you know, James Clear on Atomic Habits, like you know, that has its time and place. It's good to design a good habit. Um, but the thing I want to add to that for people to protect them from this part of their brain is, and if that doesn't work, we just missed something. So iterate, it's not just about gritting it out. It's not just about the determination of get back up, get back up, but it has to do with like tinker with it, experiment, adjust, play, you know, like those kinds of things, because there will be a point where you will see yourself actually do the thing and it will be joy, you know, and then you have to understand it will last for like a surfing, you know, ride on a particular wave. And when that wave dies out, no big deal. You didn't do anything wrong. Just go back and take the next wave, you know, find the wave for you. And if I, if we could just get people to focus on that, I think we could prevent them from a lot of intimidation, shame, and judgment of themselves that really gets in their way and triggers that our area, of the brain that we just, the bear in the brain that we do not want to poke, you know? So I've learned that doing this safely means to take in advice or, or you know, sometimes people try to copy people they admire and then they feel like they failed at that. So anything that, that kind of smacks as that failure, I, I get a little bit concerned about because I want people to have a little, uh, a, a safety net after the fact, you know?
0: I love that distinction and I, I've never heard it before and I'm very glad that you shared it because what it makes me think about is uh well <laughs> the first thing that came to my my mind was the joker just saying like why so serious son you know and just <laughs> <laughs> you know and just like you're you're you know you got this little joker in your mind right and he's just like you failed you know you. why yeah. yeah why so serious and so yeah. it's such a great idea to to play with it if you want to lose weight you know make it Play. Don't make it so serious, right? Mm-hmm. You don't make it so. You know, you missed your workout, you know, and yeah, I've given you the David Goggins example. And I'm like, do it every day, and I had a very masculine. Don't miss a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they're like, oh, oh I he
1: inspires people. I think <laughs> the research shows, Matt, that if you are within one standard deviation of the person who is saying that, and that fits for you, then it inspires you. Mm. But if you're not, if you're if your self concept or your your self image or whatever is a little further back. Um, then it becomes intimidating. And then you're mm. like, you other that person, like, oh, that's that superhuman, you know, Tony Robbins, like, oh, I could never be that person. And then there's comparison that comes in and and self-loathing that comes in. So what I'm trying to do is just, you know, really create equanimity so that people feel worthy themselves and that they're really owning their own path and they're finding what works for them at every stage in their life, at every moment in their life you know, and that they're really controlling, they're driving, you know, they're driving the process.
0: I love that. I love that word equanimity. And, you know, maybe we'll transition a little bit here to like the spiritual side of things, because, you know, with how we have our outlook on life, life is challenging. A lot of people the last couple of years have had uh, great challenges. And, you know, we have fear of Mm -hmm. taking care of our families, of doing these different things. Maybe we're working jobs we hate, Um, you know, and I, I know you've, done a little bit of the Buddhism study as well. And you've got your Native mm-hmm. American roots. Mm-hmm. If we're going to apply this to like equanimity or peace, you know, I was thinking the other day, can't remember what I was doing. It was like this, I don't know. I just had the idea of like, just moving about my day peacefully. And I had mm. this reminder when I was younger and studying enlightenment in my teenage years, like I want to be enlightened. And my idea at the time was that I was going to float around on a, like my consciousness would be not this one. It would be mm. something totally different. You know, like this expanded, you know, it's almost you switch a channel and it's totally different. I've had Mm -hmm. glimpses of this idea where I've had like super clarity of mind, super focus, haven't been able to sustain it over days and, and weeks, but I've had little glimpses. And I think the most important distinction is, can we move about this life peacefully and bring bringing these ideas of surrendering to what is, knowing that we can move about you know, free from fear is a huge mm-hmm. one. You know, letting uh, fear reside in our mind rent free. I can't remember who says that, but it's such mm-hmm. a great expression. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious mm-hmm. if you could speak about what you've learned and how we might be able to move through our life a little bit more peacefully.
1: Yeah, I think that the peace is really just being in you and and not trying to be somebody else, you know. So all of our suffering has to do with our self image and how that's being brokered in the world. And you know, as long as we have to defend ourselves against the world or be better than somebody else in order to uh, satisfy our scarcity mindset, you know, because there's not enough for all of us or that kind of thing, then we're going to be in competition, not collaboration. And so peace, to me, is about seeing the the me in all you know, and the all in me and, and just that, that helps somehow to dissolve the meanness and the hyper-focus on the defensiveness and the uh, fear of death really is what it, it boils down to, you know, wh- where we split off from equanimity is like, oh my gosh, I might die. You know, I, I have to work this job because I don't see another way to uh, feed my kids, you know, very practical concerns and fears, like you said. And, you know, to me, it's, it's a whole journey of being able to release the meanness and go with the weeness and say, you know, we're all in this together. A friend of mine who's a yoga and teacher, she says, yeah, I'm just another bozo on the bus, you know, but <laughs> she's this very, very, uh, I would say very enlightened, you know, very uh, peaceful, loving, kind, uh, generous, and very knowledgeable and wise woman, you know, but she just considers herself just one of, one of the people you know? And I think that's a beautiful way to start.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. It reminds me of what David Lone Bear used to say to me as one of my Mi'kmaq teachers. And he used to say always oh, for me to we." you know, like stop yeah. thinking about yourself. And I think about what an awakened person is. And I think one of the ideas is they're not trying to just serve themselves. They're also mm-hmm. just not trying to get materialism to thinking about how can I, you know, contribute to the whole before we started, you said your whole life mission and purpose is to reduce the suffering on the planet. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, just to serve the reduction of suffering of all beings.
0: Yeah, I think that's yeah. incredibly beautiful. And then if you have that as one of your main drivers, it's my opinion from the people that I've spoken with and met, they're the ones who are get closer to true peace, to true happiness, to true purpose. I haven't met anyone who is very self-centered in the way that I have to get more materialism and it's about my company and my business and my home and my Things in my specialness, uh, they never get, you can never get enough of that materialism, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And you know, this if like there's a really nice food you like or a really nice treat, if you have Mm -hmm. too much of that, it's going to be terrible. It's like everything, Mm -hmm. you can have the nicest house and all that, and it will be nice for a time. Mm -hmm. Alan Watts has a great analogy about going through life as a dream. And, you know, imagine you get to dream 75 years of time and each time you do it, um, you just get all the, everything you, your heart and mind could desire. And you do Mm -hmm. that 10 times. It's going to get boring.
1: You're Mm going to want
0: challenge. You're going to want, you know, different views. You're going to want different experiences. And I think that we want that. And it's just important to understand if we guide our license from a self-serving perspective, it's going to be limited. We could do it for a time, but I feel like if we want to move towards something more meaningful, more beautiful, more empowering. And then from that state, I think that's when you see the universe and God work. Cause I've mm-hmm. seen that force a few times and I know that it's benevolent I know it mm-hmm, because I've mm-hmm. seen it it seems to like be guiding you when you um can't make it so do you want to speak on your on on that rant if it made any sense to you in the audience I hope so and uh you know that idea and then just like the idea of like the god force like do you believe that that exists do you believe you know Dr. Joe will talk mm-hmm. about some people talk about the quantum realm and manifestation mm-hmm. and all that but mm-hmm. I'd be curious your thoughts and working with your spiritual self, your higher mm-hmm. self to become the person that you came here to be to for achieving your highest potential in a beautiful way and doing and walking the path in peace. Yeah, um, yeah I'll just leave it there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I would say that what came to mind is a experience I had in a ceremony once. Uh, this was a plant medicine ceremony where it was very clear to me that I could see how the earth was engineered to be... Uh, structured in such a way that we as animals in that in that ecosystem, we get sicker the further away from the earth we are. And so part of what's happening in the human condition right now is that we're just kind of, you know, uh, being so human centric, that then we're kind of we've lost that connection to the divine order and to the earth groundedness. And anytime that happens, we get sick, we get mentally ill. At scale, we get competitive with one another. We get we get uh, racist. We get we get divisional. We 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 get tribal in a bad way. We, you know, it's it's like we are missing our our. There's a there's a molecule that runs all of our lives called oxytocin. It's the one that is released in the baby and the mother when there's a suckling baby. You know, when they're first born, and then we have it when we have eye contact. We have it when we have sex. That we have it when we have hugs, and connectivity with other people. And even hate of uh, a shared hate actually generates us. It controls our weight. It controls our metabolism. It controls our uh, strength. It controls our brain. It controls our brain health. It controls all of our um, body functions. It is the most powerful hormone in our body, more so than dopamine. So if we look at a, a that metaphor of connection as being the pinnacle, the sort of platform of health. I would say that the more we can get out of the human centrism of, you know, the social media uh, used in that way, you know, where it's comparison, FOMO, uh, gaslighting, you know, predation, um, exploitation, uh, performative aspects, you know, where you lift one person up and then everybody else is feeling bad about themselves, those kinds of things. We've got to figure out a way to design that to be more connective, to be more truly, truly connective. And that's what we've done with our software is just agonized over, um, you know, compassion design is what I told my technologists and my CTO like rolled his eyes for like two years at me. <laughs> and, and I just, I felt really, in, you know, kind of intimidated by that because I was bringing a yin energy, a female, a feminine energy to the process, you know, in, in an area that had been so dominated by that kind of, you know, we we'll suck it up kind of, you know, male, yawn you know, survival of the fittest, but like competitive, you know, and I think there's really a time and a place for competition. There always needs to be that exercise of like, what can I do? And can I, can I beat this one? But then once the game is over, that's it. The problem with competition in your career or in, in areas that are like inappropriate in your family, you know, competing with your siblings, whatever the case may be, is that it's toxic because it never ends. The game is never, you know, over and we all go out and and celebrate, you know?
0: Absolutely. I love all that. I'm reminded of one of the sayings that uh, my Native American teacher would tell me, just saying all my relations and just understanding everything here is alive. And it doesn't get into kind of like some of the weirder stuff that can get out there about like understanding the planet and this and that. Cause I was all about all that for a while and realized it wasn't balanced. Um, you know, it was actually, I was a vegetarian for a few years and mm-hmm. I didn't want to hurt animals and whatever you want to do is mm-hmm. totally, totally fine with you. I don't, I don't care, I'm not judging you, uh, but yeah. it was it, but it was my native American friends that kind of re gave me a different view on life and the respect for everything and just why they hunted and how they hunted and how Mm -hmm. they viewed that and how they lived and all these different things. And I was like, Oh, that's like, it's such a more, it was just a very balanced approach. And the idea of all my relations, right? Like Mm -hmm. the earth provides for me, it gives me what I need, but also I have the relations of just like my also fellow man, but that's not the only one. I have a relationship with everything and everything that I do Mm -hmm. affects everything else. And Mm -hmm. I feel like if we had that understanding, we wouldn't be going around um, causing harm in a variety of different ways. Uh, And I think that the root of it is this self-centeredness. It's this, you know, me, 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 I'm going to, you know, get to this bottom dollar, or I'm only going to look out for myself. And you see this Mm -hmm. a lot in business, because as businesses grow, you need to cut corners to make more profit for shareholders. But there's also times where people don't do that, right? And they don't Mm -hmm. cut the corners. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it can be hard to um, hold integrity. Sometimes, I guess, when money's on the line, you could get a Mm -hmm. greater deal of money. I saw that you know, as well, uh, Mm -hmm. many times in my life. And so it's not an easy path sometimes. And so I'd be curious your two cents on, um, just what it means to you to live a meaningful life. How do we, if someone's like lost, they don't have any spiritual connection. They like, it's so sad when people lose faith. And I feel like Mm -hmm. in my life, I've even lost that at times, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I look out and I say, Holy smokes, like what the heck is going on here? Why is there so much pain and suffering and this, what is happening? Like, it just makes me sad. Mm-hmm. So I'd be curious yeah. your thought. Well, and then also so your thoughts on like evil. Why, why is there so much evil? What the hell's the deal with that? <laughs> How do we make peace with that? I'm angry. I get angry. I get all, <laughs> all so yeah. Upset about it.
1: Yeah. And, and having done so much prison work, like, you know, I can tell you there is evil in the world and it, it's not hundred percent on in certain individuals, but it comes from pain and it comes from um, being left out. It comes from being removed and rejected, you know, from the whole. And so if your tribe or your clan uh, ostracizes you, then you have no choice but to burn the house down because you have to tell them, you have to communicate somehow, and usually it's through violence or crime, uh, how much you're hurting from that process. And you might have brought on yourself, you know, with your acts, um, egregious acts, you know, it's kind of a, a terrible cycle, you know, but there was a Native American, um, My most inspired, you know, Native American political figure, governmental figure was the peacemaker, you know, who brought together five warring tribes and held peace for 500 years. And that's the basis of the structure of the U.S. government, although they changed a couple of things. One was that uh, vote by consensus. So we have a two thirds vote instead. And so then you get a lot of partnership out of that because there's kind of like a a division. And then also uh, they removed the Council of Grandmothers that decided whether you would go to war or not. So, so there's ways that we as humans can design uh, policies and cultures to be inclusive. And I find that you know, much of the evil that you're speaking of comes from um, those who've been excluded and not brought in. And another uh, sort of, I heard this story once about African tribes and, or there was an African tribe long ago that when a young person would do something uh, horrible or criminal, they would take him and put him in the center of a big circle and then everybody would tell him everything he ever did right you know to kind of you know help him to ease his pain and his suffering and his hurt and with and the trust was you know you know you can do better you know because you are a good person and i think people who are evil that you'd say evil and do evil acts they somehow got to thinking that they were bad and that they were evil and so they've got nothing to lose
0: Wow. Well, that's really well put. And I love the idea of the Council of Grandmothers. I remember hearing about that. for the I've, No one's ever brought that up. So I'm glad that you shared it, <laughs> because it, it just makes so much sense. Like, you know, I can only see the world through my own perspective, and I'm a man, and I definitely am masculine, because like, you know, when I see someone causing harm, my first mental reaction is how many different ways can I kick their ass? You know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just like, I started imagining yeah. all these other messed up things yeah. that I'm going to do, you know? And yeah. so, yeah. but if there was ever a time where I were going to release that, it would be my mom saying, go, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. If she says uh-huh. go, she, you know, she like, is not, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It kind of like, a, you know, it's like, go to go ahead. Like this has yeah. gone way too far. Cause she's never yeah. going to want to do that. And right. so I've kind of had that as a martial artist, I'm like, okay, like you learn, you you don't fight when you know how to fight, right? Like yeah, you just, yeah. you don't do that. So, so That's I always wonder, like, I imagine like, well, if I see this, like, should I step in? Like, if I see this and then how exactly do I do it? And so yeah. having a council of grandmothers and would be so important. And also just a council of elders, you know, the whole political system, this might get, I'll try not to get political, but. Doing <laughs> viewing Canada and doing a coaching group all over the world right, <clears throat> of the last couple of years, um, the United States, uh, who I, you know, talked a lot of shit about as a young man, because I'm Canadian and you're supposed yeah. to, um, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, man, that system is way better than our system. Now, mm-hmm. in that system, there's a lot of upgrades, you know, that could but but yours for the whole world, there is the, the way that it's set up. Is just better, and it's like, oh, I understand so much more now. Now, if we could add to that system, like uh, respect for our elders, you know how, mm-hmm. or, or a grandmother counts, or these different things, where you mm-hmm. have these other checks and balances that are so beautiful, you know, one of the things our culture, I would just say my culture, I don't know, Canadian culture, like we don't really respect our elders the mm-hmm. the way that I've seen European cultures do it. Or the Native American cultures. I feel, I find mm. that a lot of European cultures are really great at respecting their elders. Um, mm-hmm. it's very beautiful to see. And also in the Native American communities, uh, uh I remember <laughs> Clifford Mahuti telling me the story. And sadly, he's passed. And I kept having him on the show. And, you know, he had all this, you know, wisdom. And he goes, I remember sitting on my grandfather's lap and I just wanted to go play, but he's trying to tell me stories. And he goes, He used to get mad at me. He's like, I understand why now (laughs) I just got to laugh (laughs) because he's trying to pass down the wisdom and through the way that our culture is working through TV, through media, through both parents working. Right. So get, you know, on the ground, all you probably know about all that kind of stuff too, you know? So Mm -hmm. it makes it much more challenging to really grow a strong family unit. And then, you know, through the generations of having time for your grandparents as well. And so with all that, I'd love for you to comment on that. And, um, add like from what you've learned as being a Amer- Native American and also being around the different tribes, is there anything you would add to like, what, is there anything that they'd like to bring or like you would see added to the government or to cultures that I, you would feel improve our cities and communities and cultures and countries?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that you know talking about habits, like, you know, what, it, what is the cultural habit around the elders, you know, in the current modern culture, um, white dominant culture, the habit is to ignore them or make fun of them or to patronize them or to, um, you know, isolate them or those kinds of things. And so in native culture, uh, they're put at the center, they're put at the head, they get to eat first. Like they say the prayer, you know, like there, there's a real role for them as the spiritual leaders. Now there's also uh, the thing that flashed in my mind when you first start talking about eldership was an elder of mine, Paul Rayfield, would test people with older bodies, whether they were really of the elder mindset or not, because he said, there's a difference between elder and older, you know? He goes, are they an older? Because if they're an older, then they're competing with the youth still, you know? So some of these people who get so fixated on, you know, things of young concern, like uh, self-image, pride, um, competing, um, those kinds of energies. And they they if they're still stuck in that, then they're not really able to, inhabit their full wisdom as an elder and play that elder role. And so I think it's a two-way street, like we, because we have a society that doesn't honor eldership, then we haven't yet figured out a training program for eldership too, you know? And then how do we hold that with, you know, you mentioned the, the masculine and the, and the feminine, you know, I've had the dark thoughts of like, who can I beat up to uh, with my, with my <laughs> masculine side? Cause we have both in us, right? Um, and we need our warriors. We, we, we need the whole wheel you know? And I think that the, the world we live in right now, Matt, we've lost the wheel, we've lost the understanding and it really, we don't need to be um, co-opting somebody else's culture to like really create a wheel that makes sense to us. Because if you look at mandalas all over the world with all different kinds of indigenous communities or earth-based, earth-focused, earth-honoring communities, what holds them together is just a shared paradigm of me versus, you know, where you are, where I am, it just helps us create like a GPS system for supporting one another in our process, you know, and without making everybody the same, you know, so that everybody follows this one guy, you know, and his advice or, or puts this other person ahead or that kind of thing. And so the elders have a role in that, in that wheel, the babies have a role in that wheel. Um, the children, the, the young adults, you know, The teenagers get to be narcissistic um, because if they don't, then they'll stay narcissistic. You know, if people oppress that or suppress that um, or they get depressed, you know, Um, and then the the parents and the teachers and the adults get to have their way. The older adults get to have their rite of passage. And then the storytellers end it all, the gurus, you know, like you're right with the storytelling, you know, that's how we are, are the only animal that gets to skip a grade and learn from each other's mistakes. You know, we don't have to experience it ourselves. And so we can have quantum learning in this lifetime, but that only has to come through wise storytelling.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I I absolutely love that. And I love how it's community-based and with working with my elders, it was very community-based and everyone was respected. Um, and with mm-hmm. David Lone he would do these things called T's, uh, standing for time, earth, air, and space. And you'd sit in a circle, um, but he would say, it's not a, I don't know, whatever the talking. He's Like, it's not that. He's like, it's something else. And, but everybody would speak. And I remember he'd bring out a topic and it would go in a certain way, like compassion or kindness or whatever. And you'd have different walks of life. And I consider Mm -hmm. myself like at the time to be like an okay writer and, and read a lot of these different things. And like, I could write a little bit on compassion and its importance and whatever. Right. I feel like I could do good. But, uh, if I were to try for a year, And write just think about one idea, but that group in in an hour from like a little kid to, you know, a mother to a father to some guy who's like a truck driver, whatever the case is, right? Just Mm -hmm. that hour of everybody sharing, I I could write a masterpiece quickly from Mm -hmm. learning from the community. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that's such an important piece that we're not, we're getting further and further away from. Um, mm-hmm. in our culture and we need to figure out how to bring it back and to value our families and get connected with our community and sit and listen without being distracted In stoicism, mm-hmm. they call it like dead time. So you get mm-hmm. together, but you're all watching a TV, like you're near each other. Mm-hmm. Like I think of iRobot, robot and they say, why are all the robots <laughs> like close to each other in the container, right? That's kind of mm-hmm. the same with us. We're just staring at a screen. We're kind of hypnotized, <laughs> uh, but we're just near each other. We're not engaging. We're not learning. We're not interacting. And so, um, mm-hmm. Do you wanna comment on that? Or-
1: yeah, I, I've I've kind of become fascinated with this idea of like, is the main illness that we're all dealing with reductionism? You know, it, it kind of feeds on the whole um, attention economy that we're sucked into, the, the distractions on our technology and those kinds of things. And we, we kind of give over our sovereign right to think through things. And that's why I think, you know, I, I favor things that kind of come from first principles, I I favor people who really kind of think things through in a way that I find to be original and um, somewhat exhaustive. I mean, even even this long form podcast, it's like, it's thoughtful. It's not so much what we're saying. It's what is going on in the person's brain that is awakening themselves because they're chewing on this food and they're not rushing to the next thing or they're not jumping around, you know? So they're using this conversation as almost like a wave-like pattern to really unlock within themselves deeper levels of understanding and insight and even intuition that have been trying to get their own attention. you know So unless we have that downtime, that quiet time, that silent time, that vision quest time, whatever that is, meditation, where you can just rest the brain and the brain can come up with its own intelligence, then we're kind of done for. you know And I think that's what's showing up as all of this like mental health crises, uh, loneliness, rampant, you know, a lot of body, uh, health issues, manifest autoimmune diseases, you know, trauma hurting each other, all that stuff. Just that reductionism um, is really not serving us well.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well said. And you, you transition on what I want to kind of chat about was, you know, you spoke on the beginning before we started here about doing a vision quest, and in my journey, you know, I wanted to know who I was, like who am I, you know, what is my purpose, what, and then what the every swear word, you know, fill in is going on, you know? Yeah. And it's like, could I be enlightened? You know, um, you know, I grew up Christian. Like, is, is Jesus the way? Is that the thing? How do I have a spiritual connection? Who created who or what created me? Mm-hmm. And after really like giving her, So hard traveling to many countries, talking about podcasts, doing all kinds of weird stuff. I still have no friggin' idea, really. I have like (laughs) principles and things I've learned that have been helpful to guide my life. Um, But I I don't have all the answers, uh, you know, or very few. Like I know that we live in a mystery. But I do yeah. know there's something. I do believe there's a benevolent force. I do believe in a creator or divine force or something because I've seen it. I've seen things mm-hmm. that that makes no no sense, and it seems to be helping. It's helpful. It's mm-hmm. not sitting there, you know, with a banana peel trying to trip me up you know, it might not be present and I have to kind of learn myself, like I, I'm teaching my daughter to ski and she, she's got to have her own falls and she's got to do these things. I can't do everything. If I do that, she's not going to learn. So I mm-hmm. kind of, I kind of see that as, you know, God or life. Sometimes and I'd be curious to your perspective on that side of things. And, you know, what is the purpose of uh, a vision quest and how was your experience doing it? And how would you recommend, and this might be too much, so I'll just answer whatever would make sense. Uh, how would someone that doesn't have a spiritual connection or wants to grow their spiritual Connection in a meaningful way to them. What would you recommend?
1: So, to the first part is your question, like you know, what is going on with the divine or or whatever or the source, whatever you call it. Is that what you're? Yeah. Uh, if you want to go that way.
0: To? Yeah. Like, cause I feel like the, the, the vision. quest. Yeah. You know, like your perspective on that idea, but I feel like that's why you would do a vision quest. Like that's why people would do, uh, you know, a 10 day meditation. That's, that's right. why I lived in the a, a forest with koala bears meditating all day, every day. Cause I wanted to have that yeah. spiritual connection. It's like, I want, you know, God or someone to call me on the telephone and tell me directly, you know, yep. what is going on and like, you're safe. Yep. It's going to be okay. And so, yep. you know, and I also want to Um, you know, be of use. Like you said, I want to be useful. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like what's going on, how do I be useful? So just like developing that connection and yeah. Right on.
1: right on. So the thing that goes back to for me is neuroscience. So in the human animal or in all mammals, actually, there are seven channels of emotion. There's three positive, three negative. So three positive are love, play, and uh, sexuality, like attraction, you know? And then the three negative are fear, anger, and grief, like abandoned by your mother grief, you know, kind of deep, deep grief. And then the seventh one is actually the dominant one of all the others, positive and negative, which is seeking. Seeking behavior, seeking is a curiosity, you know, leaning in, you know, hunting up something, you know. Uh, And so I think that the way that I think of all of this put together is that the reason why um, the divine energy, God, whatever you want to call it, source, you know, universe, whatever, is so mysterious is that if it wasn't, we would, we would stop seeking. And the seeking really helps to get us out of both the super, super pleasure and the super, super pain, you know, into a more balanced, equanimous state where we are in flow, you know? And so I think that's why it's engineered that way. Um, and, you know, in native, in native culture, you know, the pinnacle of teaching is being a coyote teacher, which is defined as teaching somebody without knowing that, with them not knowing it. You know, that, that's, that's like how God teaches. It's like, you know, like you think there's something there and then it's not, and then you're just left with yourself. So, so it always goes, it goes right back into you as like, oh, I'm figuring this out. Like I'm learning something, you know? Um, And you build confidence in that way. If it was always like spoon fed by some omnipotent being, then we would always stay as children. We would always stay helpless victims, you know, but, but that's not, I think what we are designed to do. I think we're designed to be exploratory um, creatures and to learn everything we can in the life until this body's over. Oh, and wow. then the vision quest, and then the vision quest, is, is that, you want to you say something about that?
0: I was just going to say, oh, wow, that that's uh, an answer that I, I have never heard. And I really like the, the three positive, the three negative, and the most dominant being curiosity. So that's amazing. Yeah. And I'd love for you to speak about the vision quest. Like, you know, maybe you could share a little bit. What is a vision quest? Uh, why did you do it? And what was the experience like?
1: Yeah. So I'll just pull out my like doctor hat for fun. It's like, it's almost <laughs> like it's a, it's a drug and we're going over kind of it's, it's side effects and it's actions and it's, you know, it's mechanism of action. So the vision quest is a potent way, as you said, to really surrender the self and to really say what the, you know, is going on, you know, like, tell me what to do. You know, um, it, it is the strongest prayer, if you will. And, and because you are bringing, you're coming with um, uh, some skin in the game, you know, you are putting yourself in a very uncomfortable or even scary situation and you're not sure it's gonna work out for you. And you are having to sit with yourself, which is super itchy and super restless. And especially I've noticed that, you know I started doing these in 1995. Um, I've noticed that over the time of having my cell phone cause that was before cell phones um, that I've gotten itchier and itchier the first day or so just coming off the digital drug right? Like, oh, I got to go, you know, the the checking disease starts to get at me, right? And so we're really giving up a lot. We're sacrificing a lot to really get down to bare bones. And there's so many forms of vision quest. Um, there's really, and these were traditionally done by men as a way of approximating what it was like for a woman going through her moon cycle or her menstruation cycle, because it was thought that women in menses Um, had a special connection to the great spirit uh, because they were in a a ceremonial um, kind of altered state, if you will. Now in our modern society, we kind of like push that down or we force them to go to work anyway or school anyway. Like I went to school so many times with like painful cramps, no one giving me soup, nobody taking care of me, nobody brushing my hair or rubbing my back or anything. It was just like, you know, just be a guy, you know, just, just fit into the male world, you know? And so we haven't learned to honor the feminine and, and really give you know, it its due. So men really owned the world of vision questing and trying to approximate the difficulty of you know, childbirth and, and menstruation that women regularly have to confront, right? And so as a woman in a modern society, and I was a medical student at the time, for me, the vision quest was um, water, no food for five days. And going into complete isolation in the wilderness, for which um, I'll tell you that as a young woman, as a 24-year-old young woman, I was uh, most terrified of running into a man, not uh, a mountain lion or a bear, which happened often. Um, but it was the man. It was the it was the you know crawling under a rock and then having a man, you know, piss over my head onto like from a from an over um, a bridge overhang. Over to the rock on the side of me because he couldn't see me, like the, that was terrifying, you know, and those kinds of things.
0: Wow, well, that is very—I uh, was going to say—powerful, but like I just—I got lost with the man pissing over see. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. A stream of piss. Yeah, <laughs> my vision quest. <laughs> yeah, no, that's you know, I think there's so many important things there. It's just like the idea of like un unwinding we wouldn't need this 15 20 years ago before cell phones right and it's been this slow it's almost like boil the frog analogy you put them in the mm-hmm. boiling water he jumps right out mm-hmm. right and we're being our mm-hmm. brains and our bodies and it seems like our souls are being slowly cooked whether yeah. you know there's a lot of reports of saying like the the 5g and the what is that uh book the electric rainbow is that what it is and
1: I I heard heard there's
0: it. Some, oh, it's just, it just talks about like electricity and how these new waves, because we're electromagnetic beings and how these new waves frig with us, you know, in yeah. some sort of way. So the audience will know the electric rainbow, or the rainbow EMF, universe, the,
1: the kind of EMF story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And
0: even anybody, you know, it could be that, right. It could be mm-hmm. a lot. I don't know, because I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure, but it could make sense, but just the distraction. Right? To mm-hmm. cut off, to go to just go be in nature. and you look at mm-hmm. a kid and they wake up with all this stuff, you they're not getting up and playing. They're not going outside. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the idea to just be alone for yeah. that period of time is so yeah. important. And I've heard the expression that um, you know, prayer is talking to God, and uh, meditation is listening.
1: Or mm-hmm. being
0: in silence, you know, or mm-hmm. or just not having your brain distracted, not being entertained. And I looked up the definition of entertainment, and uh, it's to hold one's attention. Mm. So who and what is holding your attention, and what is their intent? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, for marketing? or entertainment a lot of just you know, the more attention we have right how many mm-hmm. views we have on this post how long you watch this video how many people mm-hmm. view this thing they're, they're you're brought into their world and you don't know what their intent is behind that even if it's just mm-hmm. locking your intent from just sitting and, and not getting signals from god not getting signals for yourself not getting these answers for your prayer and that's why you know silence or walking or stillness or cutting mm-hmm. off your phone or all of these things are so important and uh, that idea um, of the vision quest is just a more extreme version. And I feel like you're gonna. Did you get any like special insights? Was it beneficial? Uh, you know, how was your experience of of doing it?
1: So I've done it for 27 years, every October um, around Indigenous Peoples Day, uh, and um, it has been different each time. You know, it kind of moves with me as I mature, and it's everything from um, you know, being terrified, uh, and freezing cold on, on a rock in Yosemite, uh, to being naked on a lava, uh, flow, uh, illegally in Maui to, um, being in the rainforest to, I mean, just, it, 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 it just takes so many forms. It's like, you know, it calls you, you know, the, the earth calls you to different experiences into different places. Um, And right now I actually have 170 acres uh, in the Santa Cruz mountains and that's where I do my vision questing. And so I now I'm pretty guaranteed to not see uh, any, you know, unsavory characters and um, be able to really kind of walk home at the end of the day. Uh, And in some ways that's harder because I can walk home. (laughs) So the temptation to just like, (laughs) ah, screw this, this is too hard, you know, like, and, and um, and wimp out uh, is there, you know? Um, but the determination, and I, and I wanna just go back to how itchy it is because I just I don't want anybody who's listening to this to hold that against themselves, that, you know, it's, it's no small thing as a modern addicted person to technology to go through a detox. You know, that's something that ancient people, indigenous people never had to deal with. And so that's an extra kind of spin on the ball as modern people that we have to be a, a mindful of. And you said, you know, like, mindfulness is listening. And I, and I, first thing I went to was like, yeah, like level three for me was listening level one and two was just hell and, (laughs) and self-judgment and misery. I don't know whether you experienced this at the beginning of your meditation journey, but I did. And I was like, Oh my, first of all, I was shocked because it felt like I lifted up the hood of the car. And there was like just a bunch of noise in there. And I was like, I didn't know that was in there, you know, and then just having to deal with that and just having any notion that I could control that was a complete and utter failure. And then how bummed I was and how, how depressed I was by that fact. And so it really wasn't until, you know, maybe longer term meditation retreats, I did like a month long, you know, compassion retreat where I started to feel like, okay, I have a little handle on like this, this engine and what it's doing you know, but before that I was just miserable. I don't Did you have that experience? <laughs> uh,
0: well, yeah, I think so. You know, for me, I started meditating uh, when I was a kid and like, I remember oh, wow. re- reading the, the book, you know, so one of my teenage years, I'm reading things. I'm like, Lucid dreaming, enlightenment, you know, mm. hypnosis, astral projection, mm-hmm. just whatever, whatever I could get my hands wow. on, you know. And so I just sat down and read the book. Like, this is how you meditate. So I was like, okay, read the book, sit down, and then I closed my eyes. Probably like ten seconds. I was like, what the hell am I doing? I'm getting out of here. um And then you know, so, <laughs> so, but I kept, I kept showing up, and I kept doing it. So I had that, and I also had it from martial arts a little bit, right, mm. a little bit that those mm. ideas and and those thoughts, and so. Even for me now, I think it's the practice. It's if I do haven't done it, I find that it's just the craziness of the mind and it takes a few times to shut it the hell up, you know, and then I can get into the state of peace. It takes a little bit, but I know it's there, so I can get through that battle. And then mm-hmm. I also, I guess they're they're not vision quests, but I made it a point to, myself in seclusion as often as i could so i did four Mm. months in uh, australia basically reading writing meditating for hours a day Mm. and you know if somebody did a thing that you know that promised enlightenment i would do it so i thought it was meditation i thought it was training with tibetan monks i thought it was all these different things and i tried them and i think they all definitely helped and they served and over time it's just become simpler right it's like how can you get to a space you're quiet and everyone's going to go through I think what you experienced and I did too, Uh, but it's so, I can't like, yeah, I just remember it being my mind, just not shutting up. That was my big thing. Just shut up, like stop thinking. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a consistency that really helped, you know, it was just like doing it over. And then actually recently, the last times I've done it, I, my body does like a little bit of a fish wiggle. Like I'll Mm -hmm. sit and I'll just kind of like, kind of go back and forth. And so Mm -hmm. I love how you shared that you've been doing this consistently over years and it's become Mm -hmm. a part of your lifestyle and who Mm -hmm. you are. And I feel like that helps you guide your life. And it's something that's important to you and powerful. And however you do it, I would recommend that too. Figuring out a way a week of the year where you're shut off. And even if you go to a cabin and you just don't watch TV, you know, you just let yourself be bored. You know, I feel like that's so incredibly powerful. So I'm uh, grateful Mm. that you shared that. And I recommend people just find something that resonates with them. And if you want to go into, I like the intense stuff, you know, and that's (laughs) why when Wim Hof came out years ago, I was like, damn it. Like, I don't like cold water, but now I have to do it because I want to know what it does. And when I did it, I didn't, I didn't do the breathing. I was like, I'm just going to sit my butt in cold water and see what happens yeah. and you know <laughs> so I can know if it will make me any more enlightened and you yeah. just learn from those experiences so I feel like it's what you said at the beginning where you just you reiterate and you you try new things and you keep trying mm-hmm. and seeking and trying and seeking <laughs> and you learn more as you go along
1: yeah and I did I did you know in the earlier days um it was so funny when Wim Hof came out because I literally just What in order to try to get away from society in Yosemite, I was doing the crossing the mountain spring up to your chest with your backpack over your head um, to get to a rock, and then living on that rock for four days with just a a sleeping bag, you know, and no food and no fire, and then doing daily sits in that ice cold water and just doing a lot of cold training and kind of, you know, overcoming the, the minds need to control. You know, everything you're doing in that case is surrender, 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 you know, and, and really, it seems to be that that medicine is really important. And I'm not quite sure uh, how you might think about it or how you think about it, but I just feel like that that somehow the, the flexibility, the yoga of surrender helps wellness as, as a general rule. And that sets you up to be able to be an iterator, you know, iterators never fail. I, uh, you know, show me anybody who's iterating their way through something, they will never fail. They'll be relentless and unstoppable.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. And I I absolutely love that. And I, yeah, it's like the like just the continuous challenging of yourself. And when I did mm-hmm. the, you know, the ice, it was it was so interesting just to see the mind telling me to, you know, get out, you know. And so it's like, oh, well, if you never meditated, try that. Just sit 30 seconds in there, watch your mind go nuts telling your body to get out and it's like what's actually happening here so it's like That's the mind is you. saying get out but i'm the mind and i'm telling the body to stay in but the body is telling me to get the hell out and so it's, it's, it's very interesting and you know you're amazing for doing that you know going to sit on a rock and just just sitting there like that is hard to do i've done hard things and i know how hard that is and i love this little piece you're adding and just saying hey you don't have to go nuts with it you know mm-hmm. it's okay like you don't have to compare it to this thing You know, Mm -hmm. you can do something at your level that's just for you. You know, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. that that idea is uh, your comparison is the thief of joy, you Mm -hmm. know, and and Mm -hmm. not letting people think they're lesser than or less spiritual or they'll never make it or, you know, it's just, it's such a beautiful and very important distinction you're adding. I feel like I don't know if I've ever had another guest share. So thank you for just continuing to remind the audience and myself of that. And hopefully I'll remember to take this little piece forward on podcasts and when I'm coaching and when I'm speaking to amazing people like you. So, um, well, this has been awesome. I could talk to you all day. Um, you know, you've done, you've done a lot of work, you know, uh, you have a great app. It's an app, is it?
1: It's a software. It's a behavior change software. And okay. So it follows, it follows the neuroscience of like, you know, protecting you from failure, but really being focused on practice and iteration instead of goals and tracking. And that is a more natural way and a more sustainable way for behavior change and for habits to set up in the brain. And so, you know, if folks are interested in that, you know, freshtry.com, it's on both the app stores. We have about 300,000 downloads. We're growing fast. Um, it's really resonating with people because I think people are kind of burned out on. Um, smart goals are things that they, they set that don't like turn out for them 95% of the time. And so this is a much safer, uh, formulation and more think thinking more kind of how nature evolves, you know, like evolution is happening. And so we're just following what science and nature show us.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. And you've also written yeah. a book and you had, you're, you're probably up to a lot of different things. So if people want to stay in touch, if they want to get in your, your book, if they want to check out the software, where should they go?
1: Uh, fresh T R I. Uh, Freshtri.com.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. Is there anything that you wish that I had asked or that you want to leave the listeners with?
1: Oh, just, you know, my greatest wish is just everybody be themselves and realize that you are so precious. And I mean that, you know, like we need you on this planet. And maybe you haven't figured it out yet, but you will figure it out and just focus on figuring it out because there is something for you, doors open for you. Um, If you're walking in the dark, there will be a light eventually. Just keep going, keep walking, keep stepping, keep believing, keep praying. It's all meant to just keep you seeking. And so lean into the seeking and you'll be your full self. You know, like you said, don't compare yourself to other people. Just walk your path. That's the most important thing.
0: I love it. Well, this has been a very wonderful episode. I very much enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, for the work you're doing. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you. See you later. Bye. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely incredible Dr. Kyra Bobinet. I hope that you enjoyed that show and you'll consider sharing it far and wide. Thank you to everyone who has taken a moment to leave a review in iTunes, who has become a member at MattBelair.com. You can do so for free or by donation to get access to exclusive content and to also support the show. Um, if you want to work with me, just head over to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or simply send me an email matt at zenathlete.com. We can work on everything from overcoming limiting beliefs, defining and creating a powerful vision and life direction and a plan to get you there covering everything from mindset, spirituality and everything you hear on the show here. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, courage, power, faith, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.